You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 332. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Arniko Harrison and Luna Harrison. Sziasztok! <laughs> Hallo! <laughs> so, as um, as uh, our listeners might be able to hear that, we have a new host. <laughs> She's not taken over for Pontus. <laughs> She's just sitting in today. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, our scheduling got a little bit screwed up by my traveling. So, uh, yeah, we, we just ha- had to do this during the day. And that is when Onika is usually taking care of her wonderful little girl. And uh, now we're doing this together. Exactly. <laughs> Luna, sag mal, kuck, 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 kuck. Nein. Nein? Okay. Nein. Nein. <laughs> yeah, it's very important for a girl to learn soon enough how to say no. Exactly. That's important. That's important. <laughs> and to, to for guys to understand, no. Yes. Yeah. So, how are things <laughs> apart from you being a full-time mom? <laughs> um, well, mostly mostly good. I mean, there were some sad news um, this week that there was a, a shooting in Oslo. Oh yeah. Um, just before the Pride Festival could happen, a gunman opened fire at three locations in Oslo, killing two and injuring more than 20 people. And the organizers had to cancel the Pride Parade. So that's always sad to see, of course. Like, it's always a tragedy mm. to, to see people lose their lives. Yeah, exactly. And especially for such a stupid reason. that someone, yes. a crazy person, just comes up and starts shooting people. Uh, so, so taking their lives, it's, mm-hmm. it's completely incomprehensible to me. Exactly. Same here. Yeah, we do have our stupid things, but um, there are things that we, we cannot definitely not yes. understand with our state of mind. Uh, there is another thing that that a lot of people don't understand is um, Mama. is the question of Scottish independence. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, it's been going on for a while, but it, it looks like it's, it's Scoxit. Is back on the table. Uh, well, at, at least a, a referendum on the on, on the matter. If uh, someone doesn't know what Scoxit is, it's a it's a word created after Brexit to describe Scotland's potential departure from the United Kingdom. And as I mentioned, Scotland's independence, or more precisely, the nation's desire for it, has has been a centuries-long debate. It's the Act of Union in 1707 basically eliminated the Scottish Parliament hmm. that was only brought back in 1999 so almost 300 years later but even though there is an actual Scottish government with ministers and all at the moment a lot of the decisions regarding the fate of Scotland are made in Westminster including Brexit that, that a vast majority of Scottish people didn't support in the first place but they had to go with it oh that sounded a little bit like the Scottish intonation that I did <laughs> Never mind. Sounded a way bit like it. <laughs> I really love Scotland. And I would really love to be able to speak like they do. Yes. Well, I, I haven't chosen yet what area, what parts of Scotland I would like to mimic. But uh, yeah, so back to Scottish independence. Um, the Scottish National Party, SNP, promised in the last Scottish elections 
that they would be seeking another referendum on the question of whether or not Scotland should leave the Union and exist as an independent state going forward. Now, Nicola Sturgeon, the current First Minister of Scotland, uh, recently announced that new proposal, and she even proposed a date on the 19th of October 2023, which is, I have to say, sufficiently far enough from from the present time, because uh, given the legal battles that are Mm -hmm. about to commence uh, surrounding this, it's going to be necessary to have sufficient time. And since we have many lovely friends in Scotland, good sceptical activism there, by the way, Hmm. and I personally am very concerned with uh, what the future holds for their amazing country. Yeah. We will definitely be following the news closely. And who knows, maybe, maybe occasionally even report on a thing or two. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, originally, or like historically, Scotland was one of the first English colonies, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and there, there were wars of independence yes. in the 13th, 14th centuries yeah. that they fought against the English, chiefly around the times of uh, Edward I. And um, then later on, it was really interesting that um, the, the Tudors, uh, they wanted to take over Scotland uh, by a personal union, mm. but it didn't happen. So what happened, it was the other way around, that uh, after Elizabeth I, um, the throne happened to fall on the laps of uh, James VI. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, this is how... The the two countries merged, but legally the um, dissolution of um, Scottish Parliament happened after the Act of Union in 1707. So, yeah, it's been a long time since Scotland was independent state. Mm. It would be interesting to see it happen again. I know probably not, not everyone listening to this agrees with that, but imagine how if they departed the United Kingdom, they would probably be able to apply for a membership back in the EU, and that would be awesome. Yes, I'm not saying that it would happen overnight. It would probably take several years, even a decade or so, because obviously the, the economy and everything would be necessary to be able to stand on its own, which might be a very, very long process to go through. But the question remains, and it's it's very interesting. And who knows, uh, it might not even happen, because uh, the legal system might not allow for a Scottish independent, because it's, it might turn out that um, the Scottish Parliament is not eligible to call for a referendum on the matter. So... We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to mention this as an interesting wow. thing, an interesting development. But are all three of us ready to roll with uh, this episode? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I can hear that Luna is is really eager to crack on with this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Luna, shall we go? Luna, yeah. Or a nine. That's a yes, I think. Okay. Or a no. <laughs> or a no. Okay. <laughs> Shouldn't have put it to a vote. Okay. Yeah, we are cracking on with the show. So, as usual, we will start with Trish or This Week in Skeptical History. All right. So, what or who are we celebrating this week? in skeptical history. Well, um, something that happened a long time ago, it was the 1st of July, 1646, 
when a certain gentleman by the name Gottfried Wilhelm von Leibniz was born in Leipzig. Annika. Yes. What does von mean in the name? A von is like of. Ah, okay. So of Leibniz means that it could refer to a family name and geographical position as well? Exactly. Okay. It usually means that you probably were a noble. Ah, okay. So uh, anyway, it happened in Leipzig and uh, it was towards the end of the, the Thirty Years' War. So quite a disturbing and, and, and quite a difficult time in the history of Europe when he was born. And um, his father, uh, Friedrich, was a lawyer and a notary. So he was born into a family of relative wealth. So he started very well off in Leipzig. And um, he started at around 20 years of age. He got a paid position as a salaried secretary to a um, society of alchemists in Nuremberg. So that was quite a start out. But later on, he became quite a big name and quite a big contributor to several fields like probability theory, medicine, geology, linguistics, library science. And he came up with the main ideas of differential and integral calculus completely independently from his contemporary Sir Isaac Newton, which is absolutely amazing. And that shows you how much the world of mathematics is independent from personal perception. It's like a universal thing that math mathematicians usually do say as well, that it's universal. The laws of mathematics are not to be invented, but to be discovered. And um, it's really amazing. So not much is done, really. But uh, most of his works were not published in his life. Um, he had a, a wide network of correspondence with, with several people outside of the country as well. He wrote thousands of personal letters, journals, manuscripts that were all very highly revered later on. And although he started out working for an, an alchemist society, later he met Dutch mathematician and physicist Christian Huygens, uh, whom we talked about on episode 321, I believe. And he became his understudy, but he was then, well, doing some self-studying with the uh, supervision of uh, Christian Huygens. Uh, and he became like the greatest, one of the greatest minds of his time. He has widely been referred to as one of the greatest early modern rationalists. And being a mathematician, he was also fascinated by the idea of, of computing machines. He was one of the pioneers of computer science. And his stepped reckoner, which is absolutely mind-blowing, uh, was built in 1672. That thing, powered by something that was called uh, Staffelwalzer. Yeah. <laughs> or a step drum that had to be operated manually mm -hmm. uh, and it could perform all basic arithmetic operations. So that was super cool. So he was not only a great thinker, but he was an inventor as well. So he built his calculus machine. And so what does a, a Staffelwalzer, uh, what does that translate into? Is it? Um, I would say like, a staffel is usually either a season <laughs> in modern language, like a season of, mm -hmm. for example, a TV show. Or a staffel can also be this race where you give a stick from one person to another. Mm -hmm. And a walzer is usually um, 
It's it's usually something round that presses things into other things. Like, for example, okay. in the printing press you have a walzer, or mm-hmm. there yeah, yeah. are like walzen that you use in the streets to to make asphalt and tarmac really flat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And, and the word itself will probably translate to this very specific thing. <laughs> All right. Well, so these are just a couple of examples. If I if I wanted to go through everything that he's done in his life, and uh, he contributed to uh, modern science and the, and our knowledge about the world, we would be sitting here for hours. But uh, I think he definitely deserved a mention. So he's our birthday boy this week. Gottfried Wilhelm von Leibniz is the person that we're celebrating, who was born on the 1st of July, 1646. All right, so what else have we got? Let's turn towards the news. Yeah, the first um, kind of news that I have is that there's talk about revoking Sukharit Bhakti's professorship. Um, Sukharit Bhakti is a German COVID denier. He's spreading misinformation and conspiracy theories. It's pretty difficult to revoke a professorship in Germany. Why is that? Because it's not only your title, it's also your academic degree. So it's not only like a Mr. or Mrs. Um, it's also something that you did work for basically (laughs) okay yeah so you can only revoke your professorship if you behave unworthy of it and that means like usually even can keep it when you leave the position when you um retire and it's difficult before it was only revoked if you committed a crime (laughs) or if you behaved unscientifically but you can see that if denying covid isn't behaving unscientifically i don't know what is (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) so it shouldn't be that difficult to determine that yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) but of course um freedom of speech is in conflict with the standards of professorship like what is still opinion and what is like actually wrong but Sukharit Bhakti is also in front of the court because of rebel rousing and anti-semitic statements so um, yeah we can see that it's uh, all a difficult legal procedure Um, but he said things like masks have no use vaccines don't ever protect you from an infection yeah so um, that sounds pretty unscientific to me (laughs) so I would see ground for revoking that professorship but We never know, you know, I'm not the university. (laughs) Yeah. Spreading misinformation about uh, vaccinations and COVID and and whatever pandemic we are facing in the future is difficult. And we have to be ready, have to be prepared to face those and and try to determine what's right and what's wrong and, and what's correct information. So this is what the ECDC, the European Center for Disease Prevention and Control, which is an agency of the European Union, has tried to tackle for a long, long time. And now, I don't know if our listeners know know about this, but they do have something that's called an ECDC uh, Virtual Academy. And that kind of virtual academy has a lot of different courses on different topics related to uh, healthcare and, and medicine and all that. However, uh, now they have launched an e-learning course on how to address online vaccination misinformation as well. 
which is a very welcome move by the ECDC. I think we have already mentioned that when they announced they would be coming up with this, um, but now it's actually there. So if anyone goes on the ECDC Virtual Academy and they register, they will have access to the e-learning course. So why is it necessary in the first place? We do know that the spread of misinformation about vaccination, about the the pandemic, can lead to a loss of confidence in not only vaccines, but also the complete healthcare system that provides you with the vaccines. And when vaccine uptake is reduced, then obviously we are facing a, a much bigger problem because we cannot stop the spreading of the uh, of the disease or we cannot uh, uh, reach levels of herd immunity and all that. Now, yes, let's not get into the discussion of whether there, e- there is even a chance to uh, reach herd immunity when it comes to COVID-19, but with regards to a lot of other diseases, it is possible and it's important to get properly vaccinated and, and vaccinated at uh, high enough numbers. So one of the most important surveys that the, the European Union does uh, from time to time is something that is called the Eurobarometer. And back in 2019, before the pandemic, a lot of people had terrible misconceptions uh, when it came to vaccines because half of the people, according to the 2019 study, half of the people in the EU thought that vaccines can often produce severe side effects, which is a very important thing to make a distinction of because vaccines can have side effects but they are very rare. So there are a couple of things that we don't even call necessarily call side effects. They're vaccine reactions. And that is important to report all those and to know about all those. But say the thinking that they can often occur, that is absolutely misleading. But more importantly, 38% believe that vaccines are frequently causing the very disease that they try to prevent. Yeah. And that is a misconception that will lead to a lot of people not taking up the vaccines. And I have to mention that in many, many countries across Europe, even the most frequently used vaccinations are not mandatory. We've covered in the last couple of years the situation on um, uh, measles. And some countries have started making it mandatory. But even though the countries had previously uh, provided everyone with the proper vaccination, it doesn't necessarily mean that it was mandatory. But uh, because when uh, measles started spreading, the country's uh, healthcare systems decided to stop that from happening. So, uh, yeah, even though the in the European uh, Union, there are no vaccines that have not been proven to be safe and are in circulation. So everything that's in circulation has been massively and extensively studied for their effectiveness and for their side effects as well. So we can basically trust the system in that regard. But the problem is that it's still a communication issue. So as a communication issue, we have to tackle this on that front. And this is what the ECDC e-learning course on um, vaccination misinformation tries to do. So it is built on the latest research pulled to 
together from the fields of psychology, behavioral science, uh, communication, and the strategies and, and tools that they try to provide uh, for everyone to address online misinformation available everywhere is evidence-based. So as far as I know, they um, use a lot of the information that has been published in the COVID-19 vaccine communication handbook as well. So it is a non-moderated course. So it's self-study, basically. Uh, you go from videos to tests, a couple of animations and examples, and they can find uh, people who go online and, and check it out. They can find other supplementary materials as well. But there is a forum as well, which is always a double-edged sword, because in forums, a lot of nonsense can be spread as well. But I think this is a good idea. And obviously, the link will be made available on our website uh, among the show notes. So the ECDC Virtual Academy e-learning course on how to address online vaccination misinformation is now available. And I recommend everyone to check it out. I think it's a good compilation of everything that's necessary for us to inoculate ourselves against misinformation. So the sooner someone comes across it, the better. Yeah, definitely. And the sooner we have more studies about um, why people hear voices of the dead, that's also better. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is it a big thing? Um, it's not super huge, but it's still important. And you, it's important for reasons I didn't even think about. So um, it's really, really interesting. Scientists have found traits that make a person more likely to hear voices of the dead. And here in air quotes here. According to their research, these traits are, for example, high level of absorption in tasks, unusual auditory experiences in childhood, high susceptibility to auditory hallucinations. Well, this all doesn't sound really surprising, right? It's just like, oh yeah, wow, you, you hear voices of the dead and you are susceptible to yeah, yeah. hallucinations. Okay, wow. Whatever. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> But these findings can also help us to understand auditory hallucinations as parts of um, schizophrenia better. Okay. So that's why that's actually really interesting. And of course, clairvoyance and clairaudience are of great, great scientific interest for anthropologists. And I'm saying anthropologist, not anthro anthroposophies. Anthroposophy. So like, just, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. to make sure that people get that. So just to, to find out like, why, why do people do that? Why do, why do they do it culturally? What influence does it have culturally? Why, um, what does the brain do when people hear voices of the dead? That's all really important. And it's also interesting to, to ask the question, why do some people report these experiences and others find them really distressing? Mm -hmm. So why are some are like, oh, I'm a clairvoyant and others are like, Oh, I'm really sick mentally. <laughs> mm -hmm. And interestingly, it will have to do with you being a spiritualist or not, because spiritualists usually see it positively and then partly can control it even, whereas not as spiritually minded people won't see it positively and will think that something's wrong with their brain. So to put that into a nutshell, it's important to understand how these hallucinations develop. This way we can see how they can be controlled or be less distressing. So yeah. keep up the good work, scientists. I'll be interested to see what will happen, <laughs> what, what will be found out mm -hmm. in the next studies about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Thank you. And that has been all the news uh, recently that uh, we thought might be of interest to skeptics. 
but I would really like to find out who's been really wrong or really right lately. Yes. And the really wrong award this week goes to the US Supreme Court for going back two generations and to condemn many pregnant people to die unnecessarily. Okay, just putting on the brakes. We only give awards to people based in Europe, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, So we decided to not give the really wrong award to the US Supreme Court. Believe it or not, it's a really right that will go to someone who's usually poked on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Because Pope Francis has ordered the online publication of files relating to Jewish people from Pope Pius XI, who was the... World War II Pope, as they call him. Mm-hmm. Um, the archive keeps the, quote, requests for help sent to Pope Pius by Jewish people after the beginning of Nazi and fascist persecution. The archive has been available for consultation on location since March 2020, but Pope Francis has now requested them to be accessible to everyone online. This will give descendants the opportunity to look for traces of their loved ones, for example, mm-hmm. and is also just a an honest thing to do. Um, Pope Pius was reluctant to intervene on behalf of the Jews, and that's why it's even more astonishing that the Pope, the actual, like the current Pope, is actually deciding to own up to that. So, for not sweeping everything under the carpet and to... For once. For once, exactly, and for <laughs> yeah. doing the right thing. For once. <laughs> Frankie <laughs> receives this week's prize for being really right. Wow. Okay. That is new. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is a first. Um, okay. I wonder what Pontus uh, thinks about it. Yeah, yeah. We're going to ask. <laughs> we should make sure he's okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, thank you very much for that, Annika. And uh, that basically concludes that show. I'm afraid this has been all that we had time for this week. I actually do have to run and pack my stuff <laughs> and then run to the airport. So. Jet set life. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I'd like to thank you, Annika, for joining me today. Please uh, thank uh, Luna for me as well. Will do. Because she slipped out somehow in the middle of the episode. <laughs> I saw on the screen a big man appear. and Yeah, but... But luckily, the big man was my husband, so <laughs> no worries. <laughs> nice. The father of the little girl. I wouldn't take any random strange big <laughs> man letter to it. Good. So, yes, she's outside with him yeah. and will be reunited with me very soon, but not before I let our listeners go with a quote. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I almost forgot. Yeah. No, I did forget. But I won't <laughs> let you forget. <laughs> good, good, good. Okay. This quote is by Arthur Schopenhauer, who lived from 1788 to 1860. He was a German philosopher who we quoted in episode 59, mm-hmm. but not with that quote. Okay. And the quote is, every man takes the limits of his own field of vision for the limits of the world. Ooh. So, yeah, <laughs> it's just like... Like that. Short and sweet. Short and sweet, Very exactly. <laughs> Very true. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And again, thanks to both of you for joining me today. (laughs) Always happy to. (laughs) And many, many thanks to our listeners as well for tuning in. Please keep doing so. We'll be back soon. And until next week, goodbye. Tschüss. Bis lat. Heido.
exist. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Shrub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. All right. So where are we? Cuckoo. Cuckoo. Nee, das ist alle jetzt. Mama braucht das. Alle. Ja, ist alle, Schatz. Mama braucht das. <lacht> weißt du, hier, guck mal. Ein Stift? Ja, du kannst auch die Lampe angucken. Okay. <lacht> Auge. Auge. Aha, aha. <lacht> so, is she just, just roaming around? Doing stuff? <lacht> She's so cool. <laughs> Is she doing the cleaning now? Yeah, yeah, she's playing with a broom. <laughs> okay, so just to report what's happening to, to our listeners, uh, Luna is currently doing some cleanup. So, um, like uh, some, some house cleaning. And looks very, very determined. <laughs> mm. <laughs> as, well, as well as skilled. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I, I start my kid young, like she, she has to work. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Earn her keep. <laughs> Who cares about the issues of child labor? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be on the safe side, we are kidding. <laughs> yeah, we're joking, of course. She's playing with the broom. <laughs> And she, she does a very good job at that. Okay. Let's give you a sec. <laughs> so, what's this, Louis? Come to walk? No? Did that? That's the daddy, you know. Okay, we'll just give it a try. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs>